and welcome to the Riff Raff podcast, hosted by Amy Baker and Rosie Edwards. We set up the Riff Raff to champion the work of debut authors and to provide guidance and support for those dreaming of one day being published themselves. On today's episode, we're featuring a chat with Scottish author Helen McClory. We're chatting about her novel, Flesh of the Peach, discussing Helen's writing career and her writing habits, finding your genre and the inspiration and excitement that can happen on research trips. You can find links to everything mentioned in today's podcast on our website at the-riffraff.com. Helen McClory with us today, author of Flesh of the Peach, um, which we're really excited about. One of our speakers at our first event. And our first event is tonight. But it's if you're really listening, exciting. we will have already done it when this goes <laughs> out. And it went brilliantly. So <laughs> we're all very pleased. Good positive visualisation. Yeah, indeed. Like um, so, Helen, we just wanted to ask you, first of all, to tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Why are you write? Who are you? Who are, who are, who in fact are you? Indeed. <laughs> I'm a human being and Excellent. I live on Earth. Excellent. <laughs> Um, I was born in the west coast of Scotland and I grew up on the Isle of Skye. Nice. And um, so I sort of spent my childhood there and then moved down to Edinburgh and travelled around a bit for uni. I went to the University of St Andrews for my undergraduate and then I did a creative writing master's at the University of New South Wales in Australia. Cool, wow. Which was absolutely incredible and really innovative and interesting. And then I came back and I did a PhD at Glasgow University. Um, then I was like, you know in, what? What was your PhD in? Oh, that was in creative writing as okay, well. Oh, wow. So I was like, you know, I need to keep learning. You're, yeah. I mean, you're a qualified writer. I, I mean, yes. you're actually a professional. I mean, we're just... <laughs> it we're says just, that on my CV. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just, I'm amateur. I yeah. could be in the writing Olympics, but not you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, I, I felt like I'd sort of overdone it at that point. In, on the education front so I went to uh, New York and I lived there for a year and a half with my husband my husband's American lovely guy uh, <laughs> good that's the most bland thing to say about anyone but when you're put on the spot you're like I don't know it's just lovely yeah he's a good dude yeah he's a good dude good stuff um so we went to New York and I lived there and I sort of traveled around and that's where I um began researching the novel Flesh of the Peach and oh. trying to write it while I was there was almost impossible because the novel is about being an immigrant and failing at it and I was busy being an immigrant and failing at it. <laughs> so then I had to come back uh, home and uh, sort of rebuild life from just two suitcases of stuff. Um, and I settled into teaching English as a second language oh. and writing my spare time. And then I got something that was really fundamental to my career which was a creative futures mountain residency in banff in canada oh wow you have traveled around being a writer i've been really lucky <laughs> um that was fully paid fully funded i went to the banff center which is this amazing creative center in the rocky mountains mm -hmm. and when i came back i just had like so many more ideas and more confidence and then um i wrote the collection of flash fiction and short short stories that uh, became On the Edges of Vision. Yep. Um, and that one, uh, it won the Saltire first book of the year, which kind of opened yeah. a lot of doors and was very surprising and lovely because it was only published by a tiny, tiny press in the States. Mm. Um, Amazing. Congratulations. So qualified and award winning. It was so. a, yeah. 
putting us to shame. I know. Yeah, get out. Also, wasn't it also runner-up for something as well? It became yes. shortlisted for something as well. What was it? It was the Saboteur Awards. It was longlisted for that, uh, which was pretty nice. I'm it was on the, on the list with yeah. Helen Oyeyemi's uh, collection. Wow, incredible. Yeah, I was like, wow. Yeah. What's well, a nice, nice company to hang out yeah. in? As Guinness, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, so, how, what, what sort of time frame was that? Like, when? So, when did you? When was on the edges of vision? That's cool. That's right, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And so, when, what year was that? That was 2015. Okay, cool. And basically, everything that happened with the novel came off the back of that because I'd finished the novel maybe in 2013 and it just sort of sat there. So mm. I've given the short answers for everything makes it sound like I'm really successful, but there was a lot of just faffing about. And, um, we know all about that. Yeah. Knockbacks from agents. Well, and... do, I mean, do you think that the, the faffing about process is kind of important? I yes. mean, you, you know, I'm sort of, people who kind of sit down and like, I've read a book in six weeks, you know, is how, why is that important, do you think, for writing? Well, so, with On the Edges of Vision, I did actually manage to write the bulk of it in six weeks. Oh but they were But they were flash fiction. You could write one in a day. God, yeah. It, it wasn't a novel. I'm not, the novel took me about four years to write, mm. sat doing nothing for three years. And then when I got On the Edges of Vision out in the world and that did well, that is where that came from. How, yeah. how, after you'd done the sort of residency and then written that On the Edges of Vision, what, what were the sort of changes that you then made to the Flesh of the Peach based on like what you'd done? Nothing. Nothing, okay, cool. So you weren't like, okay, you didn't go back to it after that time and think, oh, I want to change this. You were like, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, I think part <laughs> of the thing about being a writer is that you have to be incredibly stubborn. So that could be negative, um, <laughs> yeah. but it can also be like the thing that keeps you going when you don't have any success. You just sort of have to say, look, I feel like what I've done is good, but maybe the market's not there for it. I'll let it sit. Mm-hmm. I can't make any changes to it because I've done the best I can. Yeah. And we'll just see where that goes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there comes a point where you're just like, well, this is the book that I'm writing and I can't write it any other way. And if I could, then it would be a completely different book. And if you don't want it, then I don't know what to tell you. I yeah, mean, I think that's that's part of it. And it's also, you know, even if it never gets out into the world. Like, so I wrote a novel for my PhD that has never been published. Um, would you I try just, and get that published? Sorry, I would love to get it published, yeah. but it is set on a mythologized version of the Isle of Skye, and it's very quiet and very like about a girl growing up there. So it's it's sort of slightly autobiographical, but there are also uh, possibly fairies in it as well. Excellent. So we love that. But it just it never found an agent who wanted it. Mm. It never found. Uh, a publisher so I approached publishers by myself and they were all like well it's very nice dear uh, and I'm like yeah. okay fair enough yeah. <laughs> at least they responded exactly yeah. but it's a timing thing sometimes as well isn't it yeah now I'm starting to wonder whether you know my friend Fiona who grew up in Edinburgh and whose parents own a house on Sky. Ooh. Or my friend Colin, whose parents also own a house on Sky. And it can't be that big, can it? No, it, the population of Sky is about 10,000. Yeah. But that's not that many. Not and that it's, many. In, it's the size of the greater London area. Yeah. So it's just. just well, I mean, possibly they won't. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you never know. You know, probably my parents might have known their parents. I mean, we could probably easily. talk about that. Off, off, <laughs> off, off the podcast yeah. probably not we can catch up we'll catch up later so anyway um, so tell us a little bit about Flesh of the Peach um, so it's a, a novel that's written in flash chapters this is where I tried to develop the flash fiction technique which I like just writing very short bursts um, and it's about this uh, young woman who's kind of drifting in her life making some terrible terrible choices and trying to evade grief and 
senses of responsibility for her grief by basically um, going on a road trip through the US and trying to make her life anew all the time and launching herself into silly relationships that are very ill-advised. <laughs> um, um, and it's sort of out of my love of all things Americana. Um, as I've said, I have an American husband. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I really find America fascinating. I lived there. I couldn't understand it. So the novel is that, that process of trying to understand what America is, mm. and it's, it's it's endlessly fascinating and weird and upsetting. And I find it really interesting too. My friend's American, and I ask her a billion questions about America, like mm. all the time. Yeah, like, yeah. I would love to go and road trip around. Oh yeah, that's my that's my dream. I for research for the book when I was living in the states, I did the two three day uh, Greyhound bus trip. <gasps> it was kind of. It oh. was an intense experience. Yeah. yeah, some of the things that happen in the book actually happened to me. Okay, cool, interesting. Because I was, I was going to ask you about this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh wow. Which should we talk about that? Yeah, or do we, we... Could just drop a few hints. So there's um, a moment where um, there's gun smugglers. That actually happened. Oh my god. On the, on the bus. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's America, you know. There's yeah. this whole gun culture. Um, I didn't include this in the novel, but afterwards I was at the bus station having a conversation with this nice old man and he told me, oh, of course, you know, guns just get shipped across on the Greyhounds. I have a semi-automatic weapon at home just because I can have it. And I've, you know, I know some guy who can make it like fully automatic, even though that's illegal. He was just an he looked like he would play golf on the weekends this wow. guy was that in was that when you were in New Mexico yeah okay and wow. that was just really intense I was like oh okay you just never really how, so how did you figure out that they were gun smugglers like were you just suddenly like oh they got arrested oh they got arrested I mean on the bus did they stop the bus no they didn't stop the bus what, what, I, what we think happened was so this couple got on the bus and they were so distinctive looking you know when you look at someone and you're like yeah. they're up to something yeah. <laughs> um, they were just kind of shifting around and they had loads of like weird luggage and we pulled into uh, a bus station not the one that I had in the book that's just a kind of compression of the journey another one um, and they got off the bus and then suddenly there were all these police and the whole station just went quiet and we all looked over and a police officer was carrying this big long rifle just like up <laughs> and he was heading towards this couple and arresting them and taking them away oh wow wow it was and it, this was at like two in the morning in a really grimy greyhound bus station oh my god but That's... how interesting though like what if you're doing a three like three day long bus journey and then suddenly you're like oh some action yeah <laughs> <laughs> even though it's like terrifying trees trees farmhouse trees people get arrested trees no. <laughs> but there's a lot of really interesting stuff happens on the bus there's a lot of tedium too but uh, for example, I didn't hear this, but my husband said uh, there were people behind us talking about how they had just got out of prison and some of the things that they got up to in prison. Oh, wow. That must have been so interesting. I mean, that's a whole new like, book, isn't it? Yeah, he was like that. Yeah. I, I was the guy who was at that point. <laughs> <laughs> there was a guy having a breakup argument with his girlfriend on the phone. Um, Brilliant. There were... Um, Mennonites, not Amish people, but Mennonites yeah. who just use the bus, so they're in the old-fashioned clothes when they get on, and you're just like, wow, that's so interesting. Yeah. But, I mean, it's a book in itself, isn't it? Just kind of my ride on the Greyhound. I mean, yeah. I need to come up with a better title, but it's, you know, it's, it's a whole <laughs> microcosm. It, it absolutely is. It's this whole side of America you don't see, and you don't really see in films very often. Yeah. Not that kind of sense. So that was just, yeah, endlessly fascinating. And I ended up making that quite a large chunk of yeah, the book. Yeah, because of interesting. Yeah, well. I liked it. Mm. Wow, okay. 
Um, yeah, I, lo- I looked at how cheap the tickets were. I couldn't believe how far it was for, like, from New York to New Mexico. It was like $200, which is nothing, isn't it? Yeah, like, return. Yeah, which for return. a bargain hunt. Yeah, return. Oh, my. That's 2,000 miles. That's but insane. does it take, like, forever? It takes three days. Okay, so that's quite a long time, That's quite a long time. Yeah. yeah, and there's no place to have a hot meal. At all? At all, because the great, uh, there's, like, maybe one place in Pittsburgh had a, a place that was selling hot food and the rest had nothing maybe oh, not even like vending machines service stations right it's it's nothing it's just a bus station in the middle of nowhere on the wrong side of the tracks oh my you're God. lucky if you can get coke or water so pack food is what you're yeah, saying yeah i had to pack a ton of food because because uh, of my dietary requirements anyway but i was like i need to eat something other than you know caffeinated luna bars i think they oh, were wow. Just, wow. Oh, had... they're missing a trick there like for like a company that's like a co- not a company a country that's like capitalist you think they'd be like all of the hot food stands everywhere. in the world you would think that, but that yeah. i mean that's what maybe will be my plan b business idea go to america <laughs> pick a best stop set up some sort of have a franchise Fran- oh i could franchise it out yeah Okay, Good right, sorry. Thanks, man. Thanks. <laughs> so, okay, oh, sorry, so back to writing. We're going to ask you a bit more about, like, kind of your, your like, writing processes. Mm. Um, so, like, when... T- obviously, you knew you wanted to be a writer at an early age. Mm. Like, so, like, tell us more about that. Did you, did you always want to be a writer, or...? Um, I think it was either writing or doing something with biology, oh. oddly. Uh, but that was when I was a kid. But I was writing the whole time anyway. And I realised quite quickly that if you're into biology, you probably have to dissect animals. And I was just like, ah, yeah, probably. No. Yeah. <laughs> Precursor <laughs> to dissecting humans, I think. Isn't mm. it? Although so, I know people who could do that, but not a rabbit. Mm. I don't think I could do either very no, well. I, I think, think I'd just be hitting the floor quite quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm quite squeamish, so I thought, you know, I'll go with the writing. Probably not the best line of work. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm impressed with anyone who's that who's squeamish and does that for a living. Any kind Absolutely. of things to do with cutting up bodies. Putting themselves through hell. Like, yeah. For, yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. But I, yeah. So writing, <laughs> writing is the wimpier career. That, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. In some ways. Mm. Oh, today I've had some pretty. Long paragraphs and <laughs> grueling, yeah, grueling paragraphs. Um, so yeah, so and then when did writing kind of really kick in for you? Um, I when I was at university, um, for, for the first time, I should <laughs> qualify. Um, I took a, a creative writing course for the first time, mm. and I just thought this is so much fun. This is great. I want to kind of pursue this, and it is a fantastical dream. You know, you're just like, well, I'm young, I'm foolish. If it doesn't come to anything, that's fine. So I just had that attitude maintain me for a while. Mm. Um, I was lucky enough to go to university to do the master's in Australia um, and do the PhD. I think I I was supported by my parents, but it wasn't as expensive as it is, especially down here. Mm. Um, So it was much more doable, like working at the same time Mm. and getting a bit of help to do that. And I, you know, I sort of said around about the age of 22, I want to keep doing this and obviously now I'm 33 almost 34 so it's not like it's been a super fast process <laughs> yeah um, but I you know probably been faffing about a lot figuring things out what works and what doesn't and I'm still doing that um, so that just takes time you know yeah. absolutely and do, so do you have any kind of like um, specific habits that you like do, do you have like your kind of writing habits are you it sounds like you just write quite a lot I do <laughs> well I write constantly, <clears throat> okay, but I only write about five hundred to a thousand words a day, okay, and that's at, at most mm. a thousand. 
mostly it's more like 500 and I found if I do any more than that I just the next day I can't do anything my brain's just jelly yeah um so I've, I set myself that during the week Monday to Friday just do 500 words write those out I don't plan anything which is annoying but I think part of finding the book is just kind of digging down into the writing and then seeing what you get and then coming back in and rewriting it so this rewriting process takes forever that's why books takes so long to do yeah I, I did you know five six drafts seven drafts um i'd quite happily just keep on drafting forever yeah. um so that is really it i wish i could just plan and do <laughs> but no you have to just get the measure of yourself and go no that's not for me yeah. Yeah. see I write like that do you write like that as well I feel like you, you plan a bit more I, I, I'm quite I plan because because I obviously had very specific things to write about so mm. I knew what I needed to cover so I wasn't kind of trying to paint like kind of like a picture of like a, I wasn't trying to paint a story because I, I already knew what the story was yeah, yeah. it was what had happened so I don't know whether if I was to write fiction maybe when I have kind of written something that's more fictiony I have sort of you know mm. been a bit less planny yeah but yeah, in gen- in general, I t- I'm all about a list and ticking it off and yeah, like, seeing the, the results. It's not that just King sounds nerd. so organised. I wish <laughs> I could be like that. Yeah, well, I know. Well, it obviously works for you though. This kind of like, slowly. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. So this editing process, like like took the longest period of time for this. Gone, yeah? yeah, it's like a continual editing process. Like the book just keeps forming over and over again. Sometimes I just go, I really hate this draft. I'm going to rewrite it completely. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that really that's really resonates. Like that's how I write. I'll just write a sentence and then like delete it and then just write it again and then like come back and probably write it one more time. Yeah, go like, does it need an and? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then just like hand it in and be like, I'm not happy with that. I'll definitely change that. And then go back to stuff five years later and be like, I would definitely change that. <laughs> so, will you ever be happy though? Like, do you yeah. do you ever still look at your stuff and think like, you know, oh, I wish I'd changed that or like, do you, I can read it. I can read mine and be like. I'm pleased with how I've done that. Yeah. But but you still see things, don't you? And you're like, probably would have changed that. Probably would have. But like, do you still have those things? Or I think yeah, I I think I have the same attitude. I did it as well as I could at the time. Um, if it what it hadn't been published and I wanted to then try and get it published, then I would have to do the whole work again. But then I would wonder if my mindset was even in the same place. Yeah. If you could retread it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Let's say you do what feels right at the time, and that's what you can do. Yeah. Isn't it? I was going to ask another question, but Go I can't ask, read. Ask no, I can't read your writing. Oh. I've, I've hit my peak. No, I, I, I could probably. I mean, what's that should go at the end sure okay fine okay <laughs> I, i'll read this one yes yeah, so, yeah, so, like, so obviously you've, you've done the kind of like flash fictiony kind of thing in both of the books but kind of like is, isn't the first one kind of a little bit more kind of like is it like horror stuff or is it kind of like i haven't read it obviously but like the question i've got here is that you've kind of switched up genres from your kind of first collection to the, mm. the to the novel mm-hmm. like do you do you kind of feel like you've found your genre or do you think mm. that that's kind of an ongoing process and like just want to try all of them i think i've found elements that i love that you can find in different genres so i really like creating atmospheres of apprehension and and psychological tension yeah you definitely did that with this book oh my god definitely (laughs) well i just i I like to make people feel uncomfortable i suppose yeah Yeah. job done though yeah (laughs) very good it was it was so compelling because you kind of like you know, you're, you're, it's hard to read at some points, mm. but obviously that's what you're trying to do. And like, and, and there's so much in your characters that like you that you don't you dislike, 
but then so many things that suddenly you'll be like oh my god that's what I do you know this kind of it, this, and it kind of makes you question like your kind of self mm. in some ways like there were some lines that you had in there I can't remember which one I had I think I wrote it down yeah your late teens and early 20s is a time of performance art watched by hardly anyone at all but you think everyone I was like oh my god that's bang on the money Jesus I mean I think that's <laughs> still me yeah, to be true, I think we're all kind of still doing that. That's you know, so true. Don't, don't necessarily grow out of it. Um, yeah, so it, it's that kind of stuff that it takes a while to dig and find that, the, the uncomfortable, yeah, yeah. The, the hard stuff. You know, it might not be true for me, but I feel like, you know, I'll try and find this character and find what what they might do, but not bring any judgment to it. Yeah. That's something I want to do, is to build characters without imposing my morality on them and allowing the reader to do that because I really like the reader to just sort of join in the process and mm. I, I do feel like a book isn't really complete without readers mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes you get very interesting results so with the flash fiction it's really rewarding because people respond to each story and I've had feedback from different people saying this is my favorite story or I really didn't like this one and that's great and it's always different to see which ones they that resonated with them in which they just were like what was that yeah um, do you do you could you pick out a theme that kind of you've had the most response to or the most reaction is there something that you've sort of hit on that you realized ah this is something that people are thinking about i think probably uh stories with sexual tension but I think that's because that's what people are thinking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty thinking easy about it one. right now. Yeah, no, you, no. you nailed the sexual tension as well. Yeah, in Fresh the Peach, definitely. I'll yeah, yeah. I thought Theo sounded really hot. <laughs> <laughs> in my head, he was super hot. Well, that's how he's, he's designed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, he's going to take five minutes for so, herself. <laughs> well, so were there any other any like other genres that you'd like to try? Like I've obviously done some background reading, and I know you like horror. I love horror. Yeah. Yes. So I, any would you because like the sort of like creating the suspense that you do and the kind of like the tension and stuff like surely that lends itself to the writing that kind of stuff or yeah it's just it's a very specific set of skills to kind of go past apprehension into terror and I have to learn how to do that. So all genre fiction has these like things that you have to learn to do and that's hard, that's hard work. Um, so I've just been focused on the literary angle which is just the psychology and the kind of flow but I'd love to get those kind of mechanisms in place. Uh, maybe somewhere down the line. Yeah. yeah. Mm. What is? What are you writing next? Because you're working on it already, are you? Yes. Okay. Oh, of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always I like to just continuously work on things. So I've got two things on the go at the moment. There's a, a collection, another collection of flash fiction and short stories, which are all, again, full of apprehension and weirdness and murder. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> gone straight to murder. I've gone yeah. straight to murder, yeah. of course. Uh, and then there is a novel that I'm working on, which I've been working on for about two years years now and it's nowhere near finished but it's definitely the shapes there it's a story it's a fantasy novel of all things okay cool like a literary fantasy novel about a young woman who's growing up in this limited community in a world where there are local gods and every set human settlement has a different type of god and she alone out of anyone has the power to kill them okay cool so it's kind of uh what the local god of her island wants her to do is to kill the other gods 
but she's not really aware of the motivations of the local mm. god. Basically, the local god doesn't want to be killed by her. Okay. Mm-hmm. So trying to harness her powers. Yeah. Um, so at the moment, it, it's I'm writing the kind of action, the adventure bit where she roams the world, just killing various strange gods. Like there's some. Um, um, sounds great. It's gonna sound compelling. Yeah. It's really fun. But then I have to, of course. Because I can't just do action and adventure all the time. I, of course, want to have like weird relationships. So I'm gonna yeah. Yeah. circle back, okay. yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah, fill sexual tension. Out. No sexual tension in this one. <sighs> oh, the gods uh. could be interesting in the sexual tension department. Like, yeah, I've never interesting talent. <laughs> Put that in. <laughs> Go back and uh, give me a lot to think about. Draft. <laughs> um, this I love this question. Sorry, I have to edit that bit out. Sorry. Um, how does it feel like? What does it feel like to you when your writing is going well? It feels like I am, oh, this is a hard one because the writing can go well when I'm doing the first and second drafts, when I'm like, oh, this is really fun. Mm. And I'm not really thinking about how, how I have to shape it and make it good for other people. So when I'm doing that first bit, it's just like imaginative play and I'm not really even aware of what I'm doing. You kind of get very lost in it. When it's actually going well, it's a complete slog. And it's just like, okay, I got to change this sentence. Um, this the structure's coming into place now, and putting the pins in it, you know, that's hard. But that's when it's going well. Yeah. And what does it feel like when it's going badly? <laughs> I don't know if it ever goes badly. The only time it goes badly when is when it's not going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you is, is writing your like default state? I think so. Yeah, I'm so jealous. I know. My default state is like drinking wine. Yes, mine's just sitting down. Just, just I sitting. Can be. Yeah. Sitting on the sit. Which is so. why, probably why I chose writing. Yeah. Do, do it's do the most city of all the professions, isn't it? Apart from maybe the... lifeguard. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, did, I did that as a, as a youth. There you go. <laughs> did a lot of sleeping as well. I should have been on duty. It's warm into moon pools. <laughs> And so do you so do you feel like you've had to sacrifice anything to become a writer? Financial stability. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I should but, get t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, but do you kind of and like why is that okay? You know, like we obviously all sacrifice that, but like, yeah. yeah. I think it's just when you make writing your life and you really decided I'm going to do this without having any kind of stability of of reward in any, you know, fashion like no idea whether it will be a future success no idea whether the thing you've published is a success in the readers minds or in critics minds like that that is the tough part of things but you've made that decision and you're sticking with it and you know even if you for years you know you have to have just like pot noodle or whatever (laughs) the rewards are always there in knowing that you are part of this communication that's been ongoing for centuries like you know our ancestors put pictures on cave walls and that's could be considered storytelling Mm. so that's just really fun and then you get to sort of ego boost yourself saying i'm part of this conversation so it doesn't even matter if you actually make anything that's published or publishable but the fact you're trying is is just a very human thing to do Mm -hmm. that sounds i think like that's the best answer to that question i've ever heard that's that's like (laughs) that's why i write that's why i do it i want to be part of the communication story Mm -hmm. yeah just like making art and we're done. Yeah. Yeah. Riffraff is over. We're finished. We've got the answer. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone. Yeah, I do like I that answer a lot. Um, Amy. I think we probably yeah. need to wrap, wrap it up, up a little bit. Um, God, I, mean, I think we could probably sit and talk to you all day. So yeah, I think... Yeah. I mean, come like, down to, from Scotland again, so we could just do this again. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, okay. 
Oh, well, thank you very much. It's been very informative. I love that last answer. I will, yeah. We can't better that. Helen McClory, thank you very much. Thank you for having thank me. Thank you very much. The Riff Raff Podcast is hosted by co-founders Amy Baker and Rosie Edwards. Come say hey at the-riffraff.com. Peace. Thank you.